Hello and welcome to the Knowledge Out College podcast. This is your host, Patrick Butler. And today I got a great episode to share with you. I just had a conversation with a gentleman named Eric Santos. Eric is a business owner of a company called Benchmark Intelligence. He is an author of a new book called Shoot Your Shot. And we talk about both of these things and much more. Uh, his new book is primarily about dating on the internet and using tools like Instagram and Tinder to your favor. And I find this conversation interesting, whether you're single or in a relationship, because these technological advancements have changed the social landscape. And we talk about that stuff and more. Uh, I think you'll find it interesting no matter what. And I encourage you to go check out his book. So please, without further delay, enjoy this episode with Eric Santos. Hey, Eric, thank you so much for joining us, man. It's, it's a real honor to have you on the show. No problem. It's an honor to be on. So to begin, uh, would you mind sharing with the audience, maybe the audience who isn't familiar with your work, a little bit about you, your background, and, and sort of what you've been up to recently? Okay, cool. So I guess my main day job is CEO of Benchmark Intelligence. And uh, what Benchmark Intelligence is, it's a venture-backed startup that helps restaurant chains measure and improve customer experience. And the way we do that is we collect feedback through short text message surveys, and we help these chains reduce bad reviews on sites like Yelp like dramatically by up to 50%, because if you have you know, a crappy experience, you're more likely to send in the text privately than go onto a site like Yelp and talk bad about a brand. Um, but we also take those positive experiences and we turn those customers into brand ambassadors and get them to share their experience online on Facebook, Instagram, and really promote kind of the, the brand the, um, of these chains. So that is my day job. We've been in business, um, I think, close to four years now. We've raised about $600,000 in venture capital. Um, we've been through two accelerators, uh, Boomtown and The Brandery. And again, that's kind of my main thing. I love entrepreneurship. So, um, you know, of course, it, it hadn't stopped there. Um, I'm also a small partner in a boxing gym called Big Brother Boxing. Um, boxing is something that's been in my life for a while and I'm very passionate about. So found some cool partners to start that. And uh, half the time we actually used instruction time to go towards inner city youth um, because most of the boxing staff, um, boxing, you know, quite frankly, saved their life um, from where their life was headed. And so, you know, half the time we work with more corporate professionals who just want to get in shape, learn this um, beautiful sport. And the other time uh, work with kind of kids, you know, inner city kids that really give them an outlet. And then, yeah, most recently um, I wrote a book um, and that book is called Shoot Your Shot. And it's really about dating in the era of sliding in the DMs and swiping right. Um, you know, five, ten years ago, there was social media and there was dating apps, but 
you know, the match.com was really geared towards more people looking to meet their soulmates. And it wasn't something where these 20 year olds are adopting and you take 10 seconds before swiping left or right on a person before making a decision whether you like them. And yeah, people used to meet on Facebook and Twitter, but the Instagram and Snapchats of the world make this culture where what, how you look is more important than what you have to say. Um, so just these kind of advents of these apps and how social media has changed has definitely impacted the dating landscape. And the book really just kind of covers that and how to meet people in this very different time when it comes to dating. Love it, man. You're doing a lot of stuff, wide range of topic from entrepreneurship to dating advice. So let's start with the entrepreneurship. I'm curious where you got the idea to start benchmark intelligence. Yeah. So, um, luckily I had some domain expertise. Uh, I worked at a company called decipher, which was then bought by a big company called focus vision. And that was pretty much my real first real job out of college. And they're there in the market research industry. They don't work necessarily with uh, kind of what we call brick and mortar um, concepts like restaurant chains, retail. They work with big online co- co- um, clients such as Salesforce, Twitter, LinkedIn. Um, they run a lot of these big studies for these uh, Fortune 500 companies. And there is where I learned a lot about data collection, data analytics, and so on. And we kind of saw a gap in the marketplace of the way that these brick and mortar chains like restaurants were collecting feedback was the same as a, um, a company like eBay would. And that doesn't necessarily work because um, if you're an eBay customer, it's easy to take a survey if inside a message or an email, there's a link to a survey. But, you know, these big chains, um, you know, the way that they're currently doing it is if you go to a McDonald's on the bottom of the receipt, there is a survey that you go to and it's a URL. You enter like a 16 digit code to take it. And then the whole process ends up taking 10 full minutes. And that's why they usually got incentivizing you by giving you something free to take it. Um, But the reality is, you know, brick and mortar, especially fast food, you're in there for this fast experience. And the last thing you want to do is take a survey that takes longer than your experience at the actual restaurant. So because of that, we wanted to create something that collects feedback in a manner that matches the pace and the environment of brick and mortar. And that's why we use text messaging as the medium. So our customers will take short surveys through text messaging, which on average takes 60 seconds compared to 10 full minutes. And we'll actually get a much better response rate than our competitors because everyone loves text messaging and not everyone wants to take a survey. And that's us getting a better response rate without having to actually incentivize any of our customers. So we're not giving them anything free to take the survey. They're just doing it on their own accord because they want to give better feedback to help the establishment. Um, But yeah, that's kind of how we started it. We worked closely in the industry. Um, My co-founders and I, we all worked together in this industry. Uh, got a lot of domain knowledge and then applied it to benchmark intelligence. I love that idea of using text messages and uh, review sites these days are a really tricky double-edged sword where they can either, they can make your business and they can also break your business and it doesn't take much to break your business. You know, you can have hundreds of positive reviews and, and just a couple of negative reviews and can really destroy Uh, your page, especially when you work with companies like Yelp, how does your service, does your service address any of those sort of that, that trickiness there? Yeah, we do. So, I mean, what you said is exactly true. Um, You know, Yelp, 
you know, I don't want to talk bad about the brand, but it's, it's okay to talk bad about Yelp. Yeah, most most restaurants <laughs> will do that for me. Um, so, or you know, anyone really that has a brand that reviews on Yelp, um, because again, like actually, Harvard ran a study, and they they uh, were able to diagnose causation that an actual you know decrease a half star on Yelp will you know have a revenue a business revenue be affected i think like five to nine percent which is restaurants because the average let's say you're a pizza owner or a pizza restaurant owner and if your business does a million dollars in sales you're taking home 50k as the owner by the time the you know all the margins are done and everyone's paid out you're getting a salary of 50k which you can probably get doing most jobs at least so it's really a labor of love. Um, and I even think I've heard the average Subway franchisee owner makes, depending on the city, uh, as low as 30K profit per uh, Subway. So that's why you see a lot of um, you know, franchisee owners own multiple of them um, to kind of to make up for that. But again, yeah, so very slim margin game and anything um, like Yelp can de- directly impact that. So it's uh, super important to keep negative sentiment offline. And that's exactly what a product does. So, you know, these long surveys that I mentioned earlier that take 10 to 12 minutes, even if a customer takes those, most of the time they went to Yelp first just because how easy it is. That's why Yelp was so big when it came out because it's the easiest way to leave feedback. It's an app. You click a couple of buttons and boom. With Benchmark, it's text messaging is the only thing that rivals the speed of apps. It's even faster. So if someone has a bad experience before they have the impulse to go to Yelp, they're more likely to send in a text message through Benchmark and then, you know, have that feedback going through here. And because it's done through text messaging, one of the beautiful parts about our software is that um, our customers are actually able to then have two-way conversations with the customers after they leave feedback. So, you know, they'll leave a survey where inside it they say something like, I'm never coming back here again. And then, um, you know, a district manager using our software gets back to them, has a two-way conversation. And then after just a few messages back and forth, you'll see the sentiment totally change into a 180 where the customer is like, thank you so much for getting back to me. You know, I'll be sure to come back. Um, but, you know, that whole bad customer experience is alleviated offline. So those bad reviews for some of our customers compared to the 12 months before using our product and 12 months after are reduced by 50%. So 50% of negative sentiment that would have been there is now taken off. And for all the people that uh, leave positive feedback on Benchmark, we try to redirect them back to Facebook, yeah, back to Yelp to share their experience. So what actually what happens with our customers is their negative feedback goes down dramatically, but also their positive feedback increases, which gets their average star um, just increasing in general, which helps them with revenue. So that's kind of how we tackle the Yelp problem uh, with Benchmark Intelligence. That's uh, that's that's really awesome because I know you know as much as Yelp is is there to try to you know create transparency with the service and how good the you know the food or product or whatever is uh, you know I, I I in my business I've seen how they can negatively affect us you know where you can't have a two way conversation with the person who left the review um, and also you know their system sort of appeals to people that are let's say more inclined to complain you know, cause they know that they're going to have a voice and their voice is going to be heard on Yelp. So I, I love that service. I love that idea. Anything that can help small business entrepreneurs, you know, create a dialogue with their clients instead of it going to the internet first. And I think that's awesome. 
Thank you. Appreciate that. So tell me about uh, your book. So you're running this company, you're, you know, building it out. What, what led you to, first off, where do you find the time to write a book in there? And second off, what inspired you to write this book? Yeah. So um, the first, so right before I started Benchmark, I was, as mentioned, I worked at that corporate job and then I started getting into writing about that time. Um, at the time, I was just kind of contributing free articles uh, to publications to try to get my, uh, you know, um, name out there as an entrepreneur. Uh, at the time, I was just a part-time entrepreneur. Um, and, you know, looking back, this seems all crazy now that I've accomplished this because just, you know, a few years back when I was working a job, it was, you know, I always felt kind of like a fake because I had a nine to five, but I was starting these companies because this is not my first company. I've had a bunch of side hustles. Um, that have led up to this point, um, and including writing. And so, so I kind of dabbled into writing again, one towards the end of the tenure at my corporate job. And then when it came to starting Benchmark, um, we received two initial investments of a $25,000 investment and a $50,000 investment. So 75 total. Okay. Um, but I have two co-founders, two amazing co-founders, and one has five children and the other has two. And I have none, um, a single, uh, a little younger than them. So the 70,000, 75,000 that we received to start the business had to make us last over a year before we would generate revenue. So pretty much all of that went to my co-founders because they have kids and I don't and mortgages and that fun stuff. So the way I had a supplement for the first year and a half before we raised venture capital and started making revenue and I could pay myself was actually writing. So I used to contribute almost weekly to askmen.com. And there I would get paid per article. Um, I written for Business Insider, Venture Beat, and, um, and then Elite Daily. So my two niches I focus on are entrepreneurship and dating. Um, the dating one, I kind of got into accident, into by accident. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I really love writing about entrepreneurship, but my dating articles, for whatever reason, were always the ones that got the heavy traction. Um, I had one article that it's a, it's a funny story. I actually wrote it about my not last ex-girlfriend, but the one before. And I wrote it when we were together and it was kind of about her and it was about relationships. And um, I wrote it, I sent it into my publisher and it takes them about usually a week to two weeks to publish and put it on their, you know, calendar and editorial calendar. And by the time it came out, we and her were actually broken up. And, uh, the article was actually about 10 ways to know you found the right person, which is kind of ironic that within the time of me writing to it becoming published, she actually broke up with me. Um, and that article, I think today probably has close to 10 million impressions, um, or something like that. It was like in the eight or nine last time I checked, it has, uh, again, I would have to double check last time I checked, I think it has over 800,000 shares on Facebook, um, or Facebook likes. Um, so yeah, that article really helped get my name out there. And that one I wrote for free. That's when I was contributing articles, um, for free to elite daily, which is, you know, a popular millennial publication that at the time it was just all free contributing content, but that helped get my name out there to where I was getting a lot of these paid gigs and I was writing. So again, I did writing for about a year and a half. And then once we raised venture capital, um, two and a half years ago, I stopped writing pretty much, um, you know, other than exclusively for benchmark. So writing content for benchmark to grow emails, et cetera. And then the end of last year was 
December. And to be quite frank, I was going through some hard times um, just personally um, with the business. We're going through a little bit of a, of a downswell. Things have actually picked up and been looking really good since then. But um, in that was happening around November. And I decided in December because December is typically the slowest month for us regardless because most, you know, selling B2B, most of the executives you try to sell to are out of uh, the office for the month, et cetera, that I was going to write a book in exactly one month. So that's exactly what I did. Um, so I first, probably the end of November, did a little bit of research leading up to it. And God, I feel bad that I can't remember the guy's name, but there was someone on YouTube that I watched that uh, was really um, instructional in helping me write the book. And you know, you, you hear so many people say, I want to write a book someday. I want to write a book someday. But it's something you keep pushing off. And he was just saying about how realistically, how easy it is to write a nonfiction book. Fiction's different because obviously you have to create a story arc and all these things. But he said with nonfiction book, just like create a chapter. It doesn't matter what chapter, just start. It could be in the middle, it could be the end. Just do that and then write around that. So that was kind of the concept. I decided I was going to write a book in uh, December. I looked at what the length of normal books were for nonfiction genre. And it's anywhere from 20 to about 40,000 words. And then I kind of reverse engineered that. Um, I thought like about my average article I would write for these organizations were about, you know, 1,000 to 1,500 articles. So if I thought about that way, I was just writing, you know, uh, you know, 15, 16 articles, which I've done. I'm just going to do it in a book format. So from there, I decided with, um, I ended up, the book I think is 23,000 words. And what I did was I just kept a pace of about 1,000 words a day. And that's how I wrote in a month. There was a couple of days where I took off. And those 1,000 words actually only took, in the beginning, they would take a little longer, maybe two and a half hours to get kind of in the flow. But towards the end, I can knock out those 1,000 words in about an hour. And so I was just contributing an hour to two and a half hours a day for a month, not even every day straight, just 23, four of those days to write the book. So I wrote the whole draft, first manuscript as we call it, in one month. And then I used January as time for the business part of it. So I uh, you know, sent it to editing to get it edited. And keep in mind, I did pretty much all of this on Fiverr. So I self-published the book. And um, the way I self-published it was actually I started a publishing company to do it. So the two main ways you do it is you either get a traditional publisher to do it, which is great, but that can take years and it's, it's hard to do. And plus, you know, it's like a record deal. They take a lot of that or you self-publish it on Amazon. But the problem is if you self-publish it directly on Amazon, you have Amazon be the publisher. If the book takes off, they have, they own the rights to the book or they are the kind of usually the exclusive publisher. It's very hard to get the book in brick and mortar if that's the goal, if Amazon's the publisher. So I started a, a publishing company called Go-Getter Publishers um, because I kind of like, I would like to get into more personal development and entrepreneurship books as time goes. And um, oh yeah, that answers the question really, why did I choose this topic? To be quite frank, it's easy. Uh, dating is something I've written about and I don't feel I have written, I don't think I've accomplished all the business accolades I want yet to validate writing an entrepreneurial book. I plan to in the next few years. But dating is something that's more subjective, and I could do it in a month. So that's why I specifically kind of chose the genre, um, and I have experience with it. And then, uh, yeah, I, again, I wrote the book in December, took January to start the publishing company, do the editing, get the graphics done. And, you know, I was realistically able to do all of this for, you know, less than $1,000, including starting a publishing company. And then I, it released in February. 
And um, yeah, it's been going pretty well so far. Um, and yeah, it's been a hell of experience and it's been really fun and it's definitely won't be my last book. Wow, man, that's, that's really awesome stuff. And I, I really appreciate the detail you went in there because I think for a lot of people, when they hear like, oh, this person or that person wrote a book, it seems impossibly far away. And, you know, you just basically explained from start to finish how you did it. I love that. I love that. Especially the concept of, you know, basically reverse engineering the number of words a typical nonfiction book has, uh, breaking it down to like 15 or 16 articles, starting with a chapter, you know, that could be the first chapter or in the middle or somewhere and working around that. Those are all really great tips. I really appreciate that stuff. And I actually look forward to and trying that myself. That's awesome. Um, I have a question about starting a publishing company because basically you're trying to get your book in paperback, right? Is that like the, sorry, cause you don't want to just release like a Kindle ebook or something. You want to have like a physical copy. How does that work? Yeah. So that's actually a great thing with, so you can actually, I had sort of, our books already in paperback and, um, and the majority of buys are all purchases are in paperback and you can actually get paperback right off the bat with Amazon being your publisher. And, um, it's, I didn't realize this till I, even when I think I started the book, I just assumed it was going to be in Kindle and I would down the road to get into paperback. But when I was, I was finishing the research, like, you know, when I was finishing kind of that first chapter, I realized Amazon, it used to be a different company called create space, which they owned. And then they, uh, engulfed it into Kindle. Now it's called Kindle direct publishing. But what actually happens is when someone buys my book, um, you know, like I think I sold like two randomly yesterday. What happens is Amazon then will actually print the book and ship it to the consumer for me on demand. So imagine kind of drop shipping, but for books. So, you know, my book sells for $9.99. Of that, I think like there's a $2.15 printing cost. And then about um, altogether, I make $4 off the book. So uh, yesterday, two people bought the book for $9.99. What happens is then Amazon will print the book and then Amazon Prime ship it to them. So they'll get the book within two days. And of those two books being sold for $20, I will get $8 of that. And Amazon takes care of everything. So once you actually do kind of the sunk cost and time of creating the book and getting it on Amazon, um, it's not like you have to, in the old days, you know, order a thousand books wholesale, get them printed out, have this heavy burden of this expense up front and then try to sell them, but Amazon's actually doing it uh, on demand. I created the publishing company because the more traction I get, if I want to then sell the book to, um, to uh, you know, wholesale to businesses like, you know, Barnes & Nobles or, you know, maybe independent bookshops, which I've already started selling to some small ones, I can actually use Amazon uh, printing and sell them the orders wholesale but I wouldn't be able to do that if I didn't have the owner, if I wasn't the publisher of my book, because people don't want to buy from a book that's published by Amazon because it's kind of giving into the competitor, but it's all right if I use Amazon as the medium, but I am the publisher of my own book, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes, that makes total sense. That's awesome. Um, so the content of this book specifically, so you're writing about dating, which I think everyone can agree uh, the dating landscape is probably more different now than it's ever been, you know, more different now than 10 years ago. And it's more different now than probably ever was before because of the new technology involved and 
you know, people just aren't generally as social as they used to be. They're more focused on the, of the virtual world, on Instagram, on Tinder, on Facebook, whatever. Uh, so where did you cultivate the ideas for this book and have you tell me about the results you've seen from the stuff that you included in the book? Yeah. So, um, you know, as I kind of mentioned uh, in this November, I was like, I want to write a book. And then, you know, I, this is probably kind of the opposite way people write books where they kind of have like a, uh, you know, this heavy pain point and that kind of drives them to write the book. Mine was kind of like, I'm gonna write a book. Let's think of a pain point that I can solve. Cause that's how businesses work in books. The same idea, especially with nonfiction, uh, fiction, you know, it is different cause that's, that's evoking emotion. It's telling a story, but nonfiction, really the idea is to solve a problem for the reader with your book. And I, I thought of kind of, uh, you know, I wanted dating as the macro genre I was going to talk about. But then I was like, what am I going to talk about specifically? And then I thought about recently, um, a couple of my friends, uh, three or four of them actually, you know, ages ranging from about 28 to 31, all randomly in the last two years got out of long-term relationships or marriages actually where they met their significant other in, um, you know, the early twenties, anywhere from five to eight years ago. And, um, they're all now single for the first time. And actually I think almost all of them, it was actually their girl or wife that left them. Uh, apologies guys, if you're listening to this. Um, (laughs) yeah, so they are all kind of just, you know, not by choice single for the first time at 28, 30, et cetera. And it's like, shit, what do I do? You know, like, um, how do I get back in the game type thing? And that was kind of, they all kind of leaned on me because one, I'm kind of a veteran single guy. And two, you know, I've written dating content too. So I kind of already had some credentials in the space. And, you know, there was a couple of things that uh, we would kind of go over, um, you know, building them Tinder profile, you know, getting them to work out and just like different things like that. But like when kind of going over these, uh, these different ways that you meet people, it was crazy to them. Like, holy, you know, crap, like this is so much different now than it was when I was single when I was 23. Um, You know, like, yeah, people were using online dating like Match, but um, actually before Tinder came out, online Match's demographic, I think was 82% over the age of 30. So it was heavily towards older individuals and it was kind of looked at as a place where, you know, you find your significant other or if you're there early, you're kind of desperate. Like it wasn't cool or like social norm to be on these apps. Um, and that changed so much while they were in relationships and, um, even social media has changed so much. They were on Snapchat and things like that. And, uh, you know, like meeting a girl at a bar or maybe who's a few years younger say, Hey, you know, uh, can I take you out sometime to have your number and them being, um, you know, not wanting to get the number, but giving, being willing to get the Snapchat out and like, Oh crap, I don't have Snapchat. Like I should probably be on that type thing. So, you know, kind of talking to them and helping them acclimate to this single life, um, I realized how much it changed because I've been single with the exception of my last uh, relationship. Uh, shout out to Lex, you're amazing. Um, sorry, sorry, it didn't work out. But, um, you know, I've been single. So for me, I don't see the changes happen dramatically because I've always just stayed in tune with the tide. Um, but for someone who was out of the game for five, eight years and come back into it, it's, it's just so different. Um, yeah, again, kind of the, the main two points really being social media change has changed dramatically with being, you know, people, it's un, it wasn't uncommon for people to meet on Facebook, um, five, 10 years ago, but Facebook's different than, than social media of today because Facebook is 
you talk about yourself, you share articles, you do this. Instagram, Snapchat is selfies, it's flexing, it's, it's completely aesthetic compared to, you know, it's all, yeah, it's all uh, context and no content like it was with the other platform. So when you meet someone today, you know, it's sliding in the DMs, it's shooting your shot. Before then, it was just, you know, liking photos on Facebook and sending a message. Even there's kind of a culture behind it. And that's why the book's called Shoot Your Shot. Um, and then again, with the apps, as I mentioned before, and the apps, it wasn't relevant at all to people in their 20s and millennials, um, or who would be younger at the time, not even millennials. Um, but, you know, 82% of matches or is eHarmony, one of those two's user base was over the age of 30. Um, and with these apps now, it's become a social norm to be on Tinder, to be on Bumble, et cetera. And it's just, it's a good thing and a bad thing. Like, like technology, like most dating, like most things with technology helps and hurts at the same time. Um, you know, now in ways it helps is just efficiency. Like you can meet people so more efficiently now than you could before. Let's take the old way of going to a bar to meet a girl. You go out Friday night because you want a date Saturday night. You go out Friday night and you know, you spend money buying drinks. You probably drink more than you should. Um, and then you kind of wake up Saturday, maybe slightly hungover. You know, you bought like four girls a drink or tried and, you know, you're, you've got one number you're talking to a person, etc. With Tinder, you could be at home grinding on your business and literally, you know, taking a five minute break to swipe right and uh, match with someone. And then all of a sudden you can just ask them politely out on a date and then the next day be on a date and circumvent that whole process of going to the bar and drinking and spending money, et cetera. Um, so it makes just efficiency so much better. Do, do you really feel the efficiency is better? Cause I can see the volume of people that you can talk to is higher, but, uh, you know, efficiency wise, you know, you're basically like, if you go out to a bar and do sort of the conventional thing, like that's, that's one thing, but just approaching girls in general, approaching people, um, you know, just in public or whatever, uh, at a restaurant, coffee shop, whatever, uh, you're able to bring your entire presence, to, you know, body language, tone, voice, and then the words that you use. Whereas, you know, on Tinder or Instagram, or whatever, you know, you, you can probably do a lot of those things, but, you know, the message is reduced significantly to just a couple of words with no tone, no, no face behind it, really. Yeah, no, yeah, I agree 100%. And, um, you know, I have a chapter, which is actually called The Old Fashioned Way, which is literally meeting people at a coffee shop, uh, the gym, bar, just etc. cetera, um, because I don't want the book to be so focused on meeting people online. And even like the interactions, like, again, have uh, even changed in person because of that. Like I give the example of, you know, it's very common for someone to be, you know, hesitant to give a phone number, well, but um, you can gladly get like an Instagram or et cetera. But um, what I mean with the deficiency is just, and that kind of goes to where I was saying about the double-edged sword, it's, it's just the volume, and I use the word efficient if that's the goal is to meet as many people, but it's a double-edged sword with accessibility. You know, just as many options as you have, girls have more options. And actually, yeah, they have more options because there's more guys on online dating than girls, go figure. Um, but it, it, you know, it creates this, uh, you know, just where everyone has options and it makes, it just everyone has access to this grocery store that was kind of sacred, like a farmer's market before, you know, where it was only for reserved for the brave and kind of 
the people that, you know, are willing to, you know, it's a lot easier to shoot your shot online than it is in person. Um, and that's kind of like when I read in the book where I talk about the old fashioned chapter, which I still prefer to this day. Um, because yeah, maybe if I was just at home all day and I just literally wanted to spend four hours swiping right, I could technically meet more people. And I use that as the word efficient, um, or I don't, but it's not more effective. Um, as you know, like you said, in person, when you're meeting a girl in person, you have so much more weapons at your disposal. Like you mentioned your body language, your pitch, your, uh, you know, ability to use humor and all these different variables. Um, but yeah, I think that's why I covered in the book because if you're actually meeting people in person, you have an unfair advantage on the guys that are just scared and shooting their shot behind the screen. So it, all that is accessibility on those actually helps the people that still love doing it the old fashioned way. Cause the girls are probably, Oh wow. You know, a guy approached me versus just sliding in my DMS. Um, and you're able to stand out more easy with that. So, so let me get this straight. So basically you, you feel like the best approach is to use both, you know, to have, uh, you know, to do the old fashioned way and to utilize the modern systems available. Exactly. I mean, if the, the book is, it talks about dating in the era, it's, and uh, you know, I first chapter, I caveat, it's helped and hurt dating because I don't want the book to be like a specific, you know, it, it talks about how to utilize Tinder, you know, how to have your best chances on Tinder and Instagram, but it kind of gives, you know, the, what I would say all three, it focuses on all three. It's the online part, which is di- divided into two sections, which is social media and dating apps. And the third is just the old fashioned way, which is actually the longest chapter. Because um, it's, you know, I still think it's uh, the most important. Like, you know, for e-commerce, uh, e-commerce obviously changed the way people buy stuff. But God, I'm the fan of the old-fashioned way. I love fighting for parking at the mall. I like trying my clothes on, being able to fill it. You know what I mean? Like, and I definitely do buy stuff on Amazon all the time. But it's just, yeah, I think, you know, if you really want success in whether your goal is to meet your significant other um, or just, you know, if I have fun casually dating, if your goal is, uh, you know, that, then I, I think utilizing both methods um, definitely do help. And um, I, yeah, but someone can use either or, and there's nothing wrong with that. And the book helps them do that. But, you know, as a single person, I think it is uh, a balanced method. And quite, to be quite honest, I think probably the dates I go on and the people I meet, it's probably almost 50 50, um, whether it's, you know, interacted and started online or in person um, because there's just like the, the, you know, the, the fun aspect and the, you know, the risk and the exhilaration from doing it in person that you really just don't get from sending a message from hiding behind a screen. Yeah. And I think that's sort of part of a bigger problem. There is a lot of people are, they have that fear of, you know, doing the old fashioned way. Um, you know, they, and that fear, you know, if they have that in person, you know, usually there's some sort of, there's some subtle cues when they're trying to, you know, approach people virtually that sort of shows through, uh, just like the, you know, if they don't have the confidence to be successful to do that in person, you know, there, it doesn't usually translate online. And I, you know, I think it's, it's an interesting topic to discuss because we're sort of in a weird time now where I think a lot of people who maybe we're naturally afraid to use the old fashioned method or more so now given like sort of the, the climate of today with like the me too movement and stuff like that. People are afraid of 
coming off offensive or insulting somebody. Do you dive into that at all in the book? I I probably dive it more into kind of um, on the side of that with being able to hide behind his screen. Um, and one of the main key points I put out in the book is like the book, first of all, just for full transparency, it's about to meet people. The book doesn't necessarily go on, you know, what to say on dates. It's literally just about shooting your shot, meeting someone, um, you know, respectfully, but directly in person, online, et cetera. And one of the un, you know, uh, one of the sad truths about being able to shoot your shot um, behind a screen is that it makes people a lot more brave. And like, you know, I'll see screenshots of all the time of a guy sliding a girl's DM saying, you're so beautiful, you know, oh, wow, you're so pretty. Let me take you out sometime. Please let me take you out. And then like, F you, you are, you know what I mean? It's like, they'll oh, just- Oh yeah, the horrible, horrible Yeah, they won't have the balls to say that like in person, like hopefully not because that's even scarier. <laughs> that's like assault. But you know, they want to have, they just like the, sometimes the male ego sometimes is like hurt by rejection. And online, if you feel you're being rejected, it's easier to say some nasty things or, uh, you know, say things behind a screen that you wouldn't normally say in person. So, um, you know, the book- um, definitely goes into it teaches to be direct and uh, but always respectful whether it's in person or um, you know online but on that opposite end yeah that is obviously something um, that is a male you know you just have to be aware of and um, you just obviously don't want to be on the wrong end of uh, you know saying something too funny or just being you know um, accused of you know being harassing someone that's also something, but it's always with that note, it's always just better to be on the side of respectful than not um, because you can definitely get someone's attention or be funny without, you know, harassing someone. Certainly, certainly. So for your friends that were, you know, sort of they lost their relationships and uh, I imagine you prescribed your book to them. Was there any, was there anything that they were able to immediately implement that really helped them out? Um. Yeah. So, I mean, the book, you know, it's funny because the book was written after it was almost just like a memoir of, uh, of that. And, um, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, right off the bat, even like going, I talked about a little bit on the book, but, um, just some of the things that just help you with dating and the date, the book is really kind of written around the dating climate. So I don't cover these things as much was just about becoming their own person. Like, you know, if they meet someone in their early twenties, and they're now in their late 20s and they live with this person for years, you're not exactly even sure who you are, especially if it's like, you know, eight years and all of a sudden you're alone for the first time. It's about like, you know, yeah, you're going to use expenditure, some time and energy to wanting to meet someone. But the less you do, the actually better off you're going to be. Use that towards something positive, like go to the gym, create a hobby, do these things. So it was even before um, really even trying to meet someone. It was just trying to help them as just, you know, they're my best friends, just trying to be in a better place mentally. You know, like go to the gym, you know, I some of them I train with boxing and they really enjoyed that. And uh, that really helps and pays dividends for dating when they're ready just because they kind of have something that they're passionate about and they start knowing themselves. Um, but then after that was just, uh, you know, just help them pretty much as I go in the old fashioned way to meet someone um, out, um, at, let's say a nightclub or a bar. Um, just some of the things I said in the book, you know, it's funny because it's so much common sense. Like when I write it, I just feel like I'm writing common sense, but I've had a lot of people read it and say like, Oh wow, this was super helpful. Um, because you know, you have the books like the game or these other ones. Um, and there's nothing, I don't think nothing wrong with them, but 
uh, they almost seem manipulative to a point. Like the book I'm just writing is just like, literally, I wouldn't want to say it's like a sales script, how you would do anything, but just like ways you approach someone at a bar or just, you know, asking them if you're at a club, asking someone to dance, like actually asking someone to dance. That's weird that it's common sense to a lot of guys. But when I'm in a nightclub, I see so many guys just like start, you know, shaking and start just getting behind a girl without even asking permission if they could like dance with them. The girls are just like turned off like, whoa, like don't touch me without, you know, asking just like little stuff like that in these cues um, and helping them, you know, get, you know, their social media going um, and, you know, understanding how to slide in a DM if you choose to do so. Um, Tinder was a big one for them because, you know, Tinder, at least it makes it easy because it's mutual. Like someone said, yes, I think you're attractive. I think you're attractive as well. So you guys start chatting. So, uh, you know, their Tinder profile, when they brought it to me, was just like five mirror selfies. And they just, you know, and their uh, bio was just, everyone talked about how much they love traveling in their bio. And it was just very, uh, yeah, just vanilla. So with their Tinder profile, you know, it's almost like in marketing, you have A-B testing where you test like marketing copy to see if it has a better uh, conversion rate. It's the same thing with Tinder. All of a sudden, we just, you know, took some cool photos with them because I, you know, have a, have a decent camera, um, put a funny bio and all of a sudden they're getting five times more matches than they wore right before. Um, so it's kind of these things, um, just these little things and the book goes into more that kind of seem like common sense, but it's for some guys it's not. And that's really what the book's about. It's, you know, not necessarily if you're like great with women, then it's fine. You probably don't need to read the book. It'll probably be a lot of stuff you already know. But if you're like a guy that's newer to dating in this climate, I think the book is definitely helpful and will teach you some, uh, things that, you know, you can meet people, um, in a very direct, but respectful way. That is so funny to me. The, the idea of applying marketing principles to like Tinder profiles, I, I <laughs> it actually kind of scares me because, uh, you know, if that's the state we're in right now and, you know, these dating apps are like new and every guy basically needs to dabble in marketing to be able to be successful with these online profiles and to, you know, it's like how much more complicated is it going to be in another 10 years? Yeah. I mean, because that's part of the, part of the beauty of, of Tinder and why it became so big is kind of like two main reasons. Um, one, it was agnostic in why you meet someone. It could be a one night stand. It could be your marriage. It could be et cetera. All these other platforms were designated around the concept of meeting your soulmate, your relationship, et cetera. So the fact that they kind of made it agnostic and that you can meet someone for whatever reason made it popular. And the two was the barriers to entry to get going. These other apps, uh, you know, match.com, harmony, they're expensive. They're like 30, 50 a month, et cetera. And plus you take these, you know, these, uh, compiled compatibility tests where you answer all these questions they run into an algorithm etc with tinder it was paint some photos up you get like a couple hundred character limit bio and you go but because of that like a girl she's looking at profiles if that first photo is not cool she's not going to look at the other one she's going to swipe left and even if she is if there is cool she's going to check out the others but then that bio needs to be good as well because that's going to be the next thing she clicks before she swipes right or left so uh, it's just like marketing now. You have a very short attention span where you have to get their attention. Um, and that's why it's important to, um, you know, uh, there was a statistic where you're much more likely to get a swipe right if your first photo is more kind of a portrait shot um, where you're facing forward smiling. It's just, again, these kind of going back to the common sense things, but um, it's just more inviting. It's just showing you smiling. It's, uh, you know, zoomed in enough. You can see the face and the attributes, et cetera. So, uh, 
these are kind of, you know, being a marketer and entrepreneur, the same type of principles I apply, you know, when sending cold emails out to uh, these different restaurant chains and testing which ones have the best response rate, you kind of got to do to on Tinder because going back to that accessibility, girls have more options than ever before. And uh, you got to do what you got to do to stand out. Yeah, it is a lot of just like, you know, it's like peacocking. It's like what you see in nature, you know, when any male is trying to find a mate, they have to stand out in some way or another. And every species has their bizarre rituals and our, our bizarre ritual just becoming increasingly more complex. It's so funny to me. Yeah. I'm cute. Where do you find the data on this stuff? Where do you find the stats on, uh, on like what works for an optimized profile. Cause I, I think it's Tinder must know a thing or two now about what uh, they must have a lot of valuable information about like what works and what doesn't work. Yeah. Um, I mean, to be honest, up until I wrote the book, all the information that I applied to my friends, Tinder profiles, AB testing was anecdotal and kind of self ran test. Um, and I think like it was crazy cause I had a, a Tinder for like a long time. Um, and then I got into a relationship about two years ago and that Tinder, um, I lived, I live in California now, Fresno, California. But when I started my company, my benchmark intelligence company, we lived in two other places. We went to Denver, Colorado or Boulder, Colorado and Cincinnati, Ohio. And during that time in that year, I did a lot of traveling, New York, Chicago. And I think I, I got over a thousand matches like, uh, during that time, which is actually like a lot on Tinder. And a lot of it was just the anecdotal AB testing. Um, and, um, yeah. And then when it came time to write the book, I was actually able to find content that, uh, Tinder would publish, but it honestly, it's not as much analytics and, uh, metrics as you would think. Like I had to really dig for them. Um, like that smile one was something that Tinder released was like a blog post. Like, you know, you should always have your first picture be a smile, et cetera. But there wasn't as many metrics as I was hoping on the Tinder side. And even like the Instagram side. Um, there's like none, they're like non-existent because, uh, you know, there's so many million people meeting online and dating. Um, and I don't even know that number off the top of my head. I forget it. It's in the book, but that number doesn't include Instagram because Instagram is technically a social media platform. But I would probably say when it comes to online, I think I've met more people on Instagram girls than I actually have on Tinder. Um, yeah, it just, it, there's like no metrics regarding kind of Instagram and sliding in DMs and people meeting, et cetera, because I looked diligently for that metrics, but I couldn't find any, but yeah, all the AB testing was just kind of anecdotal. And some of the metrics in the books are referenced from Tinder and other like marketing agency reports. Got it. Got it. So what's your next project? What's your uh, you know, do, do you continue, do you see yourself continuing in like this sort of dating advice, masculinity space or, or where, where do you see this going? Um, you know, dating is something fun. Um, but so I turn 30, uh, next month and, um, it was kind of something like I've, you know, thought about writing a book before and dating because something I wanted to get out before I turned 30. Uh, I'm not saying I'm going to like get married or anything when um, next month when I turn 30 or, uh, you know, they're on the towel, but it was kind of something like, okay, that seems cool to kind of uh, get out of the system before 30. I would like to write another book, but be it more kind of around just personal development, something that could be applied to dating or business. And then in the future, just write books on like entrepreneurship. Like I, like I love entrepreneurship. Like um, 
that that is kind of my uh, you know that is what I identify myself as entrepreneur writer not even a close second it's like a very far down second I consider it a second maybe a boxer is second um, over entrepreneur boxer writer anyways but entrepreneur is what I identify as and I really love creating content around that and that's really kind of what gets me excited I do don't get me wrong I do enjoy writing content around dating but um, I guess that's really kind of where my heart is at um, but I mean it would be cool to start a tech company or a company around that space um, because right now my company benchmark is B2B um, which is kind of funny because I'm selling like this enterprise software and then I have this other side of me that's very consumer marketing focused with you know writing a uh, book on how to meet people through social media and um, yeah I, I just I kind of getting pulled away from all these different directions um, but as of right now I, my main focus is just benchmark intelligence you know we have venture capital money that we have taken and I take that responsibility not lightly at all um, so you know just continue to grow the company and do everything I can as CEO is what's most important um, but it's not to say I won't continue to create content or have these fun side projects but 90% of kind of my mental capacity and uh, you know passion goes into benchmark intelligence and but I'm able to create some pretty cool stuff with that other 10% that's awesome. And I'm, I'm glad that you do spend time doing all these other things. Um, and, and I like your aim as well going from, you know, like dating and personal development really go hand in hand. Cause at the end of the day, I think there's a lot of guys out there that are looking for dating advice and it's really like they you know, look in the mirror and figure out how to be, how to develop themselves into somebody that, you know, they'd want to probably date themselves, you know, someone interesting, someone that does cool things, someone that, you know, uh, just, just there's more character to them. They're not as like two dimensional. Um, exactly. So I, I'm sure you'll find some stuff there. Yeah, I mean that's exactly why. Like you know, you, when you ask like uh, about implementing the stuff I did with my friends right off the bat, that's why I kind of answered the question with before we even started like with dating. It was just like helping them out as a friend, like you know, finding something that like that wanted to drive them because it was just like work, come home and spend time with wife or the girlfriend. It was like they never really, you know. For many of them, they didn't really know who they were fully are were yet. Um, it's different when you now, if like I was in a relationship, I know who I am going into it. But if you meet someone at 21, you may not know who you are at that point yet. And then if you get out of it at 28, it's like, you know, yeah, that's like really the time where most find themselves. So I completely agree. Um, I think personal development is super important. It, it pays dividends per day. You don't have to read the book on shoot your shot if you just, you know, if, if you're just an interesting person that has stuff to share. Um, and that's the point I try to drive with the book is like at the end of the day, um, dating's cool, but I mean, you're gonna, you're gonna meet your significant other or someone that you care about or meet people just by being a cool, good person and not actually putting the less time you put into dating, almost the better it is. Um, you know, people can kind of see the desperation and if you're always constantly shooting your shot. So, yeah. Yeah. You almost need to take a counterintuitive approach, like rather than focus on, dating and meeting other people, you really need to just focus on working on yourself, building yourself up and, and you'll sort of achieve the results you're looking for that way. Exactly. Uh, so where can people find the book? Where, where do you prefer them to buy it? Yeah, just go to uh, Amazon and type shoot your shot. Um, it'll be the second book. There's one, there's one book called shoot your shot and it's called the life after basketball. Um, so it's a, <laughs> uh, yeah, that one. Most 
NBA, or I'm not even sure what it's about, but they, they're ranked one higher than us. They've been out for a few years, but you'll see shoot your shot, um, dating in the era of sliding in the DMs and swiping right. And uh, yeah, it's um, it's really affordable. It's only $9.99. If you have Amazon Prime, it'll be to you in two days, free shipping. Um, and the Kindle version is uh, $4.99. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a really easy read. I believe the paperback's like 110 words or so. Um, I just, you know, try not to fill it up with a lot of fluff, just be direct. Um, but actually, you know, pretty systematic without it, right? I'm a very, uh, analytical guy. So kind of talk about, you know, this, the AB testing, these different things I apply and, uh, yeah, just make it very formulaic as possible. But yeah, just Amazon, shoot your shot, please purchase the book. We greatly appreciate it. Awesome, man. Well, I love your hustle. I love what you're doing. Look forward to hearing about uh, the work that you do in the future. And, uh, you know, even for, you know, whether you're, you're currently dating or looking for that kind of advice, I think you're going to, you know, sounds like this book is filled with a lot of great gems that can help them, uh, you know, either way to sort of increase their online presence. And uh, I'm looking forward to reading it myself. Great. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on, Eric. It was a pleasure. Have a good one. You too. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed that episode, please hit the subscribe button and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. You can find us on Twitter at KWC pod on Instagram at knowledge without college podcast. You can find me Patrick Butler at Patrick Butler zero zero on Instagram and Twitter. I encourage you to send over any feedback you have. If there's any guests you'd like to hear on the show, any topics you'd want to hear discussed. I want to know about it. I want to hear your feedback and opinions. So please help me make this a better experience for you. And I look forward to hearing from you. Have an excellent day and thanks for listening.